The Youthscape Podcast. Well, hi everybody, and welcome back to the Youthscape Podcast. My name is Rachel Gardner. Oh yes, I'm Martin Saunders. Brilliant. Still. Do we need to kind of explain what the podcast is, just in case we're picking up some more new people? We might well be. So the Youthscape Podcast is a podcast that we aim at youth workers, adults working with young people. It could be anywhere around the country, it could be anywhere around the world, but you've got a heart to see young people flourish and become all that God made them to be. And so Martin and I sit here and we waffle on for a little bit, and then we bring you a stonkingly great guest. And oh my goodness, we're not going to tell you anything more, but we have a great guest today. We do. And it'd be fair to say we are... A shoulder width apart today. We are. Because there's a man sitting between us who has exceptionally broad shoulders. He's <laughs> amazing. So, so you and I are sort of, it's quite funny. It's if this was a small studio, yeah. uh, you'd be, uh, you'd quite enjoy yes. the sort of mental picture right now because we are sort of yes. squeezed in here. He's the strongest person we've ever, ever interviewed. Do you think? Physically, absolutely. And in fact, he sat here and I was like, don't talk yet. We will introduce you. But when you came through the door and you walked in, I nearly said, shall I pick up your bag for you? And then you <laughs> your muscles and I was like, I think you could pick up me and your bag and the desk. And there'll be no problem. So, anyway, like Martin, so it's a very strong man in the studio. <laughs> very strong man in the studio. Just as a way of scene setting. Yes. We'll get back onto this later on. Did you know what? that my uh, my career began writing or ghostwriting uh, evangelistic uh, books about or by uh, hard men from wow. places like the East End wow. and stuff like that? So my pedigree, would you know? Would you believe, is writing testimony Do books. You know? From Christians, there's a reason why this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, Christians who've had an amazing transformational wow. story wow. and have had have had life in you know been involved in. Uh, one of them was in the the East End uh, as a debt collector. Another guy was a drug dealer based in Wales. Another guy uh, was involved in knife crime and, wow. and, and ended up in prison. So so weirdly, that's another bit of my life that you so don't you, know about. The little nerd in the anorak is writing these I stories of these giants. And have I not, I've told you the story of going <laughs> going to going off on a, a thing with the uh, with oh, the tough talk, the tough yeah. talk guys. Yes, yes, yes. And they were all powerlifters in these massive. Yes. You know, puffer jacket things. Yes, and, they, and yeah. then um, and then they gave me one of the the jackets to wear as well. Of course, they were all filled out with muscles, yes. and I was just all. Puffer. Did you pad it? Did you have to pad it I with was like all cotton wool? Like, right. That plastic. Stuff. Anyway, anyway, the reason why I'm telling you. That, oh, sorry, we haven't got to the crunch line. The yet. reason okay. why I'm telling you why that is because um, I have in my hand a book. Mm, not by, written by you. Not written by me. I had nothing to do with this one. Uh, called Taming, Taming of a Villain, A Message of Hope by Alan Langham. Yeah. And it is one of these stories of someone who's had yes. an extraordinary yeah. transformation experience and has had a fair bit of kind of going down the wrong road yeah. and then amazingly has met Jesus and mm. life has been turned around. And I'm, I, have you put it together yet? In the studio. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have the powerhouse <laughs> that is... <laughs> Alan Langham, you can now speak. You can now speak. Hello, guys. How you doing? <laughs> so you have had the mother of all journeys down from Doncaster this morning, haven't you? Oh, yes. Oh, well, God is good, and we've had a. I always look at things when there's a little bit of opposition to it that it's meant mm-hmm. to be, and God's got a plan and purpose for this afternoon because whatever could have gone wrong did, oh. but I just persevered and said, no matter what, I'm. Oh, I'm getting there and I'm here and I've got a Superman change in the bathroom. You did. I'm amazing. ready. 
so I'm presentable. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. You know, so you, everybody can see my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Did small. anyone get you a cup of tea or anything? Well, I've a, yeah, I've got a brew behind okay, me that Rachel right. made with her, her own fair hand. So. so, and I think, I feel like you've got one of the, st- the kind of story that I was just talking about yeah. often really connect with certain kinds of young people. So it might be, because uh, in a minute we're just going to let you go mm-hmm. and tell your story, it might be that there's something here that a young person that you're working with could really do with listening to. So it might be that this is a bit of the podcast that you want to play to a young person. But Alan, do you want to, in like the briefest, just kind of outline, want to kind of tell us what your story is about? Yeah, so the the emphasis of, lots of people have said to me, why have you, you know, done, done the book? And I've always said is that that little lost boy that was a scared child, you know, a fearful adolescent, a young, a broken young boy in a great big man's body, that boy's journey had to be told because there's so many people could relate to each and every circumstance that's within that, in that story. So, you know, from as early back as I can remember, the biggest thing that were over my life were fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, beaten in the house, abused by family members, then abused later on in life then by a, a family member's friend, um, getting beaten, bullied on the street where I grew up. So that little little boy just never evolved, never grew, never developed. He was always that little lost boy. Mm. And as I grew into kind of teenage years, um, I found my mum, she was dead on the settee when I was 14, mm. just before my 15th birthday. So what that did is, mm a ball of anger just bubbled away inside me. I, I decided that day not to become a victim. But then I, what I was doing is creating a false Alan right. because I was always a loving, caring little boy mm. who just wanted to be loved, wanted a mum and dad. Mm. My dad had left when I was young, a young child. He'd, I was told that he stepped over me, you know, physically on the, as a baby on the floor and packed his bags and stepped over me and left. Mm. So that mental image was, oh, why didn't he want me? So I always fantasise about having a mum and a dad. Mm. And then finding my mum um, dead on the settee from a cerebral hemorrhage, I just I just decided that day that I weren't going to be hurt no more and that I would do the hurting. Wow. So I spent then the next 20 years just on a revolving door of crime, violence. Uh, you mentioned the, the stories that you'd worked with, you know, debt collection, drug dealing, knives, gun, everything that could ever happen, all that criminal world was, was a daily living. That was, that was reality to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a TV program, it wasn't a film, mm-hmm. it was reality. And over those years, I became very hardened, um, spent the most of my adult life in and out of prisons, um, the high security prisons of Belmarsh, Brixton, Wandsworth, uh, Pentonville, Feltham, Doncaster, Moorlands, Lindome, you know, up and down the country, you know, all these kind of things. I witnessed suicide, you know, um, through my best friend, he killed himself. Again, I was just having a conversation with a friend on the journey down here about, about that, you know, why, why he did it and what happened. And then just um, this weekend alone, there's been three people who I know who have committed suicide. Wow men in the local areas who were, were tough men, mm-hmm. 
hit this point of what I call the no return point, the lowest ebb that you can get to, like with myself in the prison cell, you know, on my final sentence, I was about to take my own life. I got to that point mentally where I couldn't handle who and what I'd become. And again, it takes you back to that little lost boy because that frightened, uh, fearful state that I would enter into, you know, I couldn't see a way out of it because I couldn't keep this false Alan on any longer because I was crumbling inside. Mm-hmm. And then what happened obviously is that I just cried out to God in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I physically cried. It was not coming out and everything mm-hmm. else. I was on my knees, just yeah. a broken, I think there's a, a point in, in every person's life, no matter what the scale of it, the severity of it, mm-hmm. where you hit that f- complete rock bottom. Yeah. So prior to this point, I'd been a heroin addict, begged on the streets of London at a 19 year old. I was a professional rugby player at 17 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd found my mum dead at 14. Mm-hmm. I'd been abused in my early childhood. I'd been beaten in my early childhood. I'd kind of survived those, mm-hmm. got through them. Mm-hmm. You know, somehow, with, you know, with very little guidance or support other than my close, you know, close family, but then in that cell at that point, I was completely broken. I was ashamed of who I'd become. I was a letdown as a father because I had three children and I wasn't a very good um, family member. The community hated me. They were scared of me. I broke bones for money. Yeah. You know, these hands were man- you know, so mangled and, and battered, you know, because of the violence that I inflicted on a daily basis. I used to get a sadistic kick out of that. Mm the power mm. and the violence. But all along that journey, there'd been great people, leaders, male leaders, you know, scouts, rugby, football, coaches, that invested into me. Right. And it's imperative that when you're working with young people, that you don't know the effect, that just that pouring that love, mm. pouring that support, pouring that encouragement, just guiding and nurturing and sowing into that young person what it really means later on in life. Because when I were in my 30s, I could look back and remember PC Berry who taught us to play football. Mm. Derek Cross who coached us at football. You know, mm. Dave Wanless, my academy coach. Mm. You know, and all these great men that had invested into me and would never have saw it. But when you actually mapped my life out within the book, you could mm. see each little yeah. seed that had wow. been sown. Mm. And then in, ni- in the late 90s, there was a bit of a mini revival in Belmarsh prison and I was prayed over and and in passion of the Holy Spirit. That didn't germinate until, so I was only a young young man then, I was only like 20, 21. It it took from then until 35 to come to Christ. So people who were sowing seeds into Mm. into Mm. young people Mm. and might think, oh, the guy's gone off the rails, he's lost it. But that, that impartation came to fruition you know, 15 years later, yeah. you know, and it's kind of other people have watered and nurtured along that journey all that time. But in that brokenness, in that mess on the floor, you know, I called out to God, you know, and I'd spent hour upon hour upon hour staring out the windows, you know, they're only small windows in a cell, you haven't got much else to do and you just kind of daydream at the window. Mm-hmm. And there were always pigeons like flying around, sitting, flying around, sitting, and it used to be quite depressing. Yeah. You know, they were as dark as the, the surroundings. And then I'd always spotted a white one that used to be kind of, and I said to God mentally, 
if you replace those pigeons with that white one, I know that you're hearing my prayer, you're hearing my cries, wow. <laughs> and everything else. And it wasn't like, you know, it says in the scripture, don't put God to the test. Yeah. But I was so, bearing in this point, I, I, I was under a clinical psychiatrist for mental, mm-hmm. mental illness. I had three diagnoses of severe mental health. Mm-hmm. So my paranoid delusions yeah. Was yeah. you know was a daily experience. Yeah. So I needed something concrete. Yeah. Proof that this is real. Yeah. And yeah. it's not a delusion. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I asked for that symbol. And I went to you know I didn't kill myself. I went to the window the next day. The pigeons lifted up and like in a slow motion the the white bird sat down and wow. it was oh, it was a, it was a moment of clarity. I knew without a shadow of a doubt. And that moment there. I give my life to Jesus there and then. Wow. I didn't. There were no. There were no. Should I shunta? There were no doubt. It was like that was it. And I came running out of the prison cell, jumping around. Oh, there is a God. There is a God. <laughs> and then they packed me. Said, "Go on, pack your kit. You're getting moved on the security move because I had a security file this thick. They were moving me. They used to what you call ghost you to different prisons. Right. And usually I'd kick off or make a fuss, but I went with it, and that was the start of the journey you know, to, to Christ, uh, through Christ and what he's done over these last seven years. Yeah. So since that, there's been no mental health. That was taken virtually instantaneously. The rage went, you know, I think it's been five or six years without a drop of alcohol, you know, same again with a cigarette, so so long with cannabis. So, you know, it's the refining and the process yeah. that he's put me on has just been, because I haven't hit anybody in all that, you know, in, in seven years. I haven't been in a criminal, never been charged with a criminal offence because I had 20-year criminal behaviour. And then I've spent a lot of these last seven years working with young people. Um, I've wrote a course called the Steps to Freedom Programme, which looks at, the be- looks at treating core issues within behaviour in young people. And what that is really is identifying the causes. So we do a lot of work around trauma, identity, taking responsibility and it's using godly principles to work on core issues you know and um that was one of the first ever things that god gave me in a in a time of prayer and fast and it's the same thing i can see young young people i've worked with or working with and it seems like you're not making a difference but i have to remember that that little boy Mm. who started off you know as a toddler and into his you know early years five or six being abused going through the trauma of, of finding his mum on the city, the trauma of finding his best friend killing himself, all the other stuff along the way, the highs, the lows, all that journey. Mm-hmm. In the end, God broke through all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a 35-year-old man got that little boy and wrapped him in his arms. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's what lead, youth leaders do, mm-hmm. is, is pour in love. Mm-hmm. You, know, there's, you know, there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, kids are ill ill-disciplined we need to discipline and put structure and routine in that mm-hmm. and I, I agree you know that that's what people you know we need that in 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 life but when they haven't got any of that mm-hmm. at all what they need is love yeah. and the love will all like I had to say it the other day and it really spoke to me is that love and hate is not an opposite it's mm-hmm. not an equal mm-hmm. love will always outpower wow. Mm-hmm. hate mm-hmm. always wow. it can't it can't not Amazing. so it, it's not an equal you know, it's just if we if we can emphasise on what's gone wrong, emphasise on the dark and the lostness, mm-hmm. or start to pour the love. So for me, is for young people 
to be loved on, to be guided. Mm. Fathers, mm. absent fathers. We did a lot of studies with the local university. The absent fathers, the statistics are incredible for um, single parent boys going into mm. prisons. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. and it's the desperate for fathers. Yeah. So we need mm. men of God yeah. to stand up and be fathers. Mm. Yeah. We need women of yeah. God to be mothers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The church has to pull together and be mums and dads to these young broken people. Yeah. You know, and we did a, like a pilot scheme at one of the old churches I used to go to where they invited the young people from the local estate. They came once and they never had them back because they were just unruly and ill-disciplined mm. and mm. how on earth do we deal with these? Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, this is they're, they're your children, the God's children, you know. Yeah. Can I, can I just jump in next? Yeah. I, I feel like you probably don't need asking questions. You could probably just do the whole interview I'm on your own. I'm crying in the corner. Just Rachel's like, no, in. Rachel's crying. So I'll 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 ask the question. Um, yeah. But I, just to pick up on what you've just said there. Yeah. So you were somebody who who as a child went through an unbelievable amount of trauma. Yeah. Um, and, and in some ways that hardened you. You said that sort of turning point around yeah. 15, 14, 15. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we meet, uh, as youth workers, we meet young people um, who have been through maybe not quite that level of trauma, but sadly in, in this mm. country, we, there are quite a lot of kids who are growing up in very traumatic and broken mm. situations. And as you just outlined, sometimes the church comes across them and doesn't know how to respond. No. So, so what would you say to a to a youth worker who's like I, I want to I want to love and respond to a young person but maybe it's a young lad 15 16 quite physically strong might be pushing back quite hard might be physically pushing back like you know how do you begin to break through it's just consistency it's consistency loving so no matter what that young person does or says it's not the reality of what the so it's just it is a front mm-hmm. you know what you got to remember that is a 15 year old child and people call, you know, people, all of us generalise teenagers as adults. Mm-hmm. And they're not. They're going through hormonal changes. They're growing into young men and women. You know, they're all over the place. But if you consistently over a period of time, so it's like, with the young people I, I won't waver on my boundaries. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I will tell them, look, you know, that's, you're out of order there. And I'll pull them up and think, but over a period of time, they respect me for that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm the first one to love on them, the first one to help them, the first one to, so we do family appeals in the community, so we've, you know, blessed families with provision, try and, thankfully I know a lot of the mums and dads, and some of the, some of them might be frightened of who I used to be, mm-hmm. and others are like, oh well he's been there, he's done it, and he's the best one who can help them, mm. there's a bit of a mixture, yeah, sure. and sometimes the, the old reputation can go in your favour mm-hmm. a little bit, and also it can be a stumbling block. Mm, mm. But if you just consistently love and kind of just say to yourself, look, no matter what, you've got to detach yourself really from the emotion of it and just think that this is a broken you know, young man, but you're not the one who's doing the work, the Holy Spirit and God's doing the work. Mm. So what you've got to do is, kind of, is put the responsibility to God. Mm. Because what we try and do is we think we've got to do it. Mm, yeah. We're not. We're yeah. just. We're just his hands and feet. Yeah, mm. So what we do is we get. We need to just guide them and nudge them towards Jesus. Mm. You know, in the best and the most simplest way is just by being completely different mm. yeah. to what they're used to. So if someone's always let them down, so initially they'll be scared you're going to let them down, so they'll push and push yeah. and push. But if you're not backing down and you're not letting them down and you're consistent, then they see that and then you then one level comes off, yeah. and then you go to that next stage. 
So it's like, and honesty. So what I've done is, you know, condense my life story into these separate headings that we work through with the young people. Mm. And by the time I've shared about my early childhood and my teenage years, two or three of them are like my best mates straight mm. away. Mm. Because they can completely relate to it. Because they've been there. Well, they you are know, there right now. And, and, and I am so vulnerable yeah. and open myself up, 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 far too openly mm. that a teacher could never get away with it. Mm. Yeah. You know, or somebody you know, somebody in a profession. Yeah. But God, Romans 8, 28, says that he will turn all things around for good. So yeah. I can go with all that mess and baggage, mm. open it all up, and the young people can relate to it. Mm. Wow. But I think I hear you saying there is... is you, it's helpful sometimes that you look like you do yeah. and you've got your story, but it doesn't mean that if you look like me, I'm, I'm not quite as physically strong as Alan. I'm not, I'm not going to ask to arm wrestle him. I might lose <laughs> yeah. an arm wrestle to Rachel. Yes, he will. But I think what I hear you saying is it doesn't matter no. in a sense. It's the consistency and the love and the being there through the pushback that yeah, matters. Definitely, all the time. And I don't think, you know, it's like when I, when I, give an initial outline of the course and everything else you know you can hear a pin drop mm. because I, you know I, you know, there is an air about somebody yeah. who's been yeah. a gangster yeah. and especially if the, the parents are oh man he, that, he will you know and so I think teenagers can kind of you know they like that kind of stuff of course but then when as soon as you emphasise the negatives of that lifestyle mm. so when they're saying oh yeah what kind of cars you have and all that and you can tell them about, you know, the Lamborghinis and the Port and all that kind of stuff, and then they say, "But I'd rather walk now." Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, because of and explain the cost of what it comes, what, yeah, yeah. what it comes with. So you know, what it comes so with is that's the thing is that. So it, it's great to be able to present that side to yourself, but also, you know, I'll make it crystal clear that yeah. if you need a hug, I'm here. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like the love. The love I've got far out, so, yeah. you know, these hands now heal, don't they? Don't yeah. hurt. Yeah. Oh, you wow. know, and that's that's the emphasis yeah. is just kind of I think being transparent, being open, being vulnerable, thick skinned, um, but also, you know, relational and kind of practical. Mm. So if you've got a young person who's had nothing to eat for three days mm. yeah. because he's got, he's living in poverty and his mum and dad are drug dealers mm. and they're out of the faces on settee injecting everyone into their arms. You know, the first thing you need to do is get him a burger. Yeah. <laughs> Some food in his belly yeah. or her belly. Yeah. Then, then mm. you know, because we try and, you know, box people off before we've even looked at what on earth's going off in their lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, and also, one big thing when I was working with the high risk offenders, there was the county line stuff. Mm. So we had, so there was high risk young offenders who were being forced into selling drugs. Mm. You know, and their fear. They would rather kick off and get into trouble and take all the, the mm. responsibility for what they were doing wrong, rather than that, like kind of grasp these people yeah. they were frightened of. Yeah, you know, so some of these people would not conform to any project you put in front of them right. because they couldn't allow you to get close to them yeah. because of what they're being made to do. Mm. Yeah. And then the same thing with interfamily abuse. You know, it, because I share openly about mine. Mm we get disclosures from young people. Mm, right, of course. I think if, you know, when I worked with the youth, the youth offending team, some of their workers had been through stuff, but they weren't allowed to say out. Mm. So they looked a little bit... Um, they moved, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, they were uncaring, yet they were yeah. in back crying their eyes out for these young people. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, oh, I wish I could just tell them this. Yeah. You know, and I could relate, you know, relate. So I think we've just got to, especially in today's age where 
everything's getting so distorted. Mm. Yeah. I think we've just got to be honest with young people. They're not stupid. They can see yeah. straight through a blagger. Mm. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing with me. I, I've lived that life, yeah. so yeah. you can you, you can see it in the young people as well. Yeah. Can I ask you an, another question? So some people listening to this podcast might not be doing direct work with young people. We have people listening who are passionate about youth ministry. They might not have any young people in their church. So if people are wanting to be praying for teenagers who share the kind of background you have, but they don't want to kind of believe the Daily Mail, all these kids are rubbish, their lives are doomed. Like how could they, what could they be praying? What would you want a faithful prayer warrior to be praying for teenagers experiencing what you've experienced? Is it around poverty? Is it around role models? Is it around what, what sorts of things could we be praying for these young people? I, th- I think around, around, obviously around London and the inner cities, is a big thing with the knife crime and stuff like that, you know, and it's kind of, for, I always, when there's lots of big things, especially that's getting a lot of media attention, you know, I'm always kind of mindful that we, on the scripture, we're not, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. So when we're seeing the manifestation of night, of knife crime and everything else, then for me that would be intercession against the spirit of death. And I think this is the, this is the thing is that, as as the body of Christ, we've got to come together and look at the look look within to the the spiritual realm of what's happening. Because all that's all that's in front of us is the manifestation. Mm-hmm. So we need to intercede and pray into, mm-hmm. you know, what it is over regional mm-hmm. strongholds. Mm-hmm. So breaking of strongholds, you know, for our weapons and you know, and kind of for the pulling down of strongholds. So we can pull those strongholds down by consistent praying. So mm-hmm. people who don't necessarily work directly with children, you know, they can pr- pray for, you know, men, the men of the church to stand up and mm-hmm. to be fathers, the women are, to be mums. Mm-hmm you know, the provision to come for those who are working with them, sowing mm-hmm. seeds into youth ministries, mm-hmm. providing, well, look, we can put on, our church could put a bus, and we could, we've got a minibus, but we've got no young people, so we'll pick up the young people from that church and take them to that church. The body of Christ coming together, because some of the churches I've been, they've got no youth ministry, they're praying in a youth leader with no youth. Mm-hmm. Oh, we need, we need a youth pastor, because mm-hmm. we, we haven't got no youth, but no, what we need to do is support the one down the street who are getting 500 young people. Amen. <laughs> Brian, you know, that's, yes, this is right the, with you on that. Yeah. This is the thing is yeah. that, you know, it's is the unity of the body coming together yeah. Yeah. and seeing what is happening. So if the foot's working pretty well with the young people, we can be the arm by bringing it to the foot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's how, for me, the body is working, but specific detailed prayer on what's happening. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like kind of uh, who in our... Who in our ministry is the intercessors? Mm-hmm. Who are the prayer warriors? You know, the role, that, that prayer and that intercession enables you, you and you to go and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. If I didn't have prayer covering, I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, this is interesting because you, you, the first half of this interview, you, you were talking very much in terms of like great youth work practice. Yeah. So you, uh, you may not know that you've done this, but you've basically Excellent. just listed off the, the the sort of introduction to youth ministry one hundred and one. Yeah, this brilliant. is these are great guidelines. It doesn't look like that. In, 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 well, it, you know, it's, of course, but it sounds brilliant. Yeah. And these are great principles. What was interesting in your book, you also start to talk in terms of some of the stuff you've just been yeah. discussing, and also fasting. So yeah. fasting's a big thing in here. Yeah. So talk to me about because I I would imagine many of us listening aren't huge fasters you really are you really believe in it so talk to us a little bit about that yeah I think in my early early walk um, I came across uh, Derek Prince's teachings uh, thankfully early in my walk so um, 
a lot of the a lot of the principles within within that but it was it was like the breakthroughs you know it's like um the wesleyan church that was that was every person under john wesley's ministry had to had to fast every wednesday mm. it was a given all leadership had to you know and it's kind of and a lot like these days it's like oh well i'm gonna fast social media yeah you know i'm gonna fast uh, coffee i'm gonna you know it's not it's going without food for the purposes of, of spiritual progress you know and that's for, you know, that's what it is 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 no food simple you know the obviously there's elements with the daniel fast and i'll do daniels for different things but it's looking at it's like the circumstance daniel did a Dan, daniel fast first 10 day one was to to kind of prove a point mm. to the guy you know my men are going to do this it was kind of a symbol of healthy living mm. this the 21 day was an answer to prayer mm. waiting for the so the prayer was answered on day one but it took we have to we have to assist the spiritual realm because we're spiritual beings on earth you know so we need to we need to assist that so Daniel's 21 day fast assisted that prayer answering to come for that demonic fight in the heavenlies and then obviously Esther three day without food and water mm -hmm. because it was life and death yes. mm -hmm. you know yeah. big ones 40 days Moses Jesus they were they were um, more than they were world changing yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. you know and I remember Derek Prince sharing where they prayed and fasted and, and uh, President um, Reagan it was a, would have been assassinated. Mm. But they got insight mm. through their intercessors. They prayed and fasted, and the bullet just hit his shoulder. It didn't kill him. Right. You know, and they were praying over. Wow. You know, America were founded on prayer and fast, but now mm. it's it's mm. not, and it's something that I believe you know that one of the strategies of the enemy is to to nullify mm. the the meaning of fasting and the fact that you know we can't do it. You can you can do it when it's when it's mm. when you need to. You know, I, think, I, just, I think we sort of I, I'm just interested in this just looking at your book because I, I think um, we've slightly lost it haven't we and it's really interesting that you mentioned the social media fasting we've replaced we've, it with we've other sort things of gone, well, as a lifestyle enhancement it can just be yes. anything yes. really just, and then it becomes self help yes. like you say it just yes. becomes about you kind of doing something to make Detoxing yourself a bit. better yeah. rather than your, what you're talking about is some sort of heavy duty spiritual warfare yeah yeah, yeah there's there's times when it's you know like I say it, it is it says in the scriptures you know the thief comes to kill mm. he's not messing about he wants to mm. kill kill Christians off mm. ahead of what they're the purpose to do yeah you know so when someone's trying to I come from a background of where people want to kill you. Yes, this makes a bit more sense. So, it, yes. from it, so I am now in another fight yes. that I've always been in, yeah. but I'm fighting on the right team. Yeah. That's all. It, you know, that's how I, I just look at it. Pretty yeah. simple. I'm a very simple guy. I look at it. We're in a fight. Mm. Right. What can I do? I can't pull a gun. Yeah. I can't use a bat. Yeah. I can't beat beat another. You know, yeah. a, a satanist up or <laughs> whatever yeah. else. Oh. You know, but. It says in the scriptures, our weapons, you yeah. know. So the, God, the, we yeah. the weapons that we've got is obviously the, you know, the, the yeah. word of the word of God, like I said, yeah. the prayer, the fasting, the, you know, and also the unity within, you know. Yeah. When, so when yeah. people come together in corporate prayer and fast, mm. you know, it, it is very powerful. Yeah, it really yeah. is, you know. But it was at a time when I generally believe, had I not have done it for as long as how I did. That you know, it was a full on, it, it full on attack prior to all this, the book coming out, yeah, and, all this stuff, and all this stuff. And now yeah. you have. So this is a great so moment exciting. to say. Yes. Uh, the book is Taming of a Villain: A Message of Hope by Alan Langham, and it's published by, by Monarch. Monarch. Yes. 
and uh, and it's the story we haven't even talked about half of this uh, that we haven't talked about rugby at all we won't tell all the stories they are short chapters yeah which i think is really good yeah and and would it be fair to say this is a sort of good book to give to somebody as well this is designed as a gift book yeah too? yeah definitely definitely because as I was sharing with Rachel and the lift coming up, you know, I always kind of envisioned that it'd go to prisoners because of the amount of yeah. time I spent in prison. But then when you actually put into context, you know, the topic areas within it, you know, you've got abuse, you've got bereavement, mm. you've got drugs, you've got professional sports, yeah. you know, you've got young people, you've got old people, you've got every single aspect. You've got healings, you know, you've got, you know, provision, You've yeah. got Christianity, hmm. you've got prayer, you've got fasting, you've got the the falls. Or to, I made it clear that you know that the process was a process. Hmm. That anything that I'd read prior to that was always about someone coming to Christ as a bad person, then it became good. There were none of the middle stuff, mm-hmm. and I wanted to try and be as honest and as open as I possibly yeah, could right. within that middle bit without going into too much detail. Yeah, of course. You know, it was a fine balance. So it's a really honest, honest book, Alan. We're so grateful that you've written this book and you've come to share this with us and if we wanted to find out a bit more about this steps to freedom that you've written how could we get a hold of that yeah so that's um so we, we did the pilot with the high risk young offenders um, then we did a, a term in school and then we laid it down to do the, some further years research with criminology and psychology oh, students brilliant. Excellent. so all that's been 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 collated hopefully by the back end of the year will then be in a format to start to to launch it so at this moment in time um you know if people are interested in 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 putting that to use or working with us on that it'd just be a matter of just getting on getting in getting in touch yeah because it is it's all in its infancy brilliant is there an email address you can give us or a website what's the best yeah so forward slash taming of a villain lovely so that's yeah. that's the page um I, i'm on facebook and twitter you yeah. know at alan langham one yeah um and then uh, email is alan at step to freedom.co.uk thank you that that's is all the details brilliant. we've got everything everything perfect alan thank you so much for your time no problem thank you yeah. youthscape podcast Wow, well that was a very interesting interview. Rachel, Alan has left the building. Yes. Um, and uh, and we're sort of slightly reeling here. Rachel's redone her makeup. I, I couldn't, when he was showing his story, I just couldn't stop. The tears are just down my face, yeah. gosh. I think maybe <sighs> because it was true of him, but also because oh, yeah. you just have this sense of, there are a whole, <sighs> a whole kind generation. of sub-generation yeah. of, um, of, of young people who yeah. have that story. Mm. Um, to a greater or lesser extent mm. like are going through those kinds of traumas and that's forming them mm. as as children mm. as children like massive trauma mm. in the early years um, maybe hopefully not as extremely as mm. Alan but then then we meet them don't we yeah. as adolescents and, and and we and we know who they are straight yeah, away actually because yeah. there's something about a young person who is still lost inside but so angry on yeah. the outside which I think makes us love them more actually yeah so I, I found it really fascinating and great <gasps> to hear Powerful. from a completely different voice yes. on uh, the Youthscape podcast who had a, like a very 
like seriously good understanding of how mm. to work with young people yes didn't they? yes in, an intuitive instinctive intuitiveness yeah. and yeah. you do think okay that there are some young people that i know are just gonna be so safe with you because you'll yeah. get them in a way i never will that kind of thing about Ooh. about young people pushing boundaries because they mm. want to know that you won't mm. run away and turn your back on them like every uh, everyone else in their lives that is gold mm. isn't it I mean, it's painful to hear uh, and it means like a hard investment from us. This consistency thing, like it's not glamorous. No. Consistency is showing up over and over again, you mm. know, one more time. And um, and, and that's how mm. these young people who've had the most profound trauma um, mm. actually begin to trust us. And, and that's where we see breakthrough. Mm. And we, again, sorry, I'm getting boring on this, but that's where we start to see the teachable moment yes, um, yeah. occur where we can actually start to talk to them about yeah. the biggest stuff. I think he was so brilliant as well. He, he, his self-reflection was, I had a big body, but I was a little boy in a big yeah. man's body. And I think it is that ability as youth workers to not trust our eyes sometimes. Like, here's a big big lad or he was big, big girl by in the front way. of me yeah he i mean he is huge very big massive muscles um but but you know and, and not, but not seeing that that they, they mm. and he talked about he didn't evolve he didn't mature in his emotions so he's a big lad with uncontrollable rage mm. that's that's terrifying to mm. deal with that's mm. scary to know how to deal with that and with young women who are the body of a young adult but 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 just in maturity wise and emotionally yeah. are just so traumatized and we we have to keep remembering I'm speaking to the nine year old in you I'm speaking to the two year old in you or whatever it is you know it's it's very and I think I was crying as well because I just think you know my little thing around adoption and fostering. Mm. Actually, you know, that's not going to be for every child. And, and there are some wonderful organisations that help children stay with their birth family. But just the many ways that we can get involved with children's lives very early on mm. and be some of those key adults that mm. sort of contend for a different path for these children. I just, yeah, just slightly broke my heart really thinking how many right now around the country are just sat in the, in the aftermath of some explosion like that. So, yeah, yeah. thank you, Alan. <laughs> you know, another thing Good I man. always find interesting about guys... Um, like Alan mm. who have been in that world. he talked about this very eloquently himself so I'm only repeating him but um, you know has been in a, he's been in a war mm. you know he pre coming to know Jesus he's, he's been in a war every day of his life and then the way he understands his Christian walk best yes. is as a yes. different kind of war yes. and uh, and actually he's that's right. not meat headed <laughs> no. that is it's absolutely true. brilliant insight and, mm. and actually we've got a lot to learn from mm. people like him who are seeing amazing results mm. and are seeing lives complete really messy lives the mm. messiest lives those that many of us don't even touch um you know turned around mm. this guy is praying and fasting like that's a big that's a big deal like he's mm. probably and I bet he doesn't just pray I'd like to see him pray. You know, mm, I bet he really goes, goes for it for sometimes yes. a week at a time. Yes. And that's quite humbling to me with my feeble little prayer walking the dog. Yeah. And yeah. my fasting social media that yeah. I've definitely done, okay. by the way. Oh, <laughs> that was a strong rebuke. Yeah. But yeah. that's good. And I, again, it's the hallmarks of Jesus that when Jesus gets hold of someone's life, that their life is not just neutral. They don't just go from violent offender to you know upstanding citizen no. they go to advocate of love like yeah. he is like he absolutely knows that these hands that used to mangle people's bones are now about love he absolutely knows that he probably could kill a kid if he crushed them with a hug but he's going to hug them safely like it's really interesting that what Jesus puts in the place is not neutrality it's love it's like yeah. it's an extraordinary transformation isn't it and that only Jesus does that 
Like good therapy gets us to an amazing place because therapy is brilliant. But actually, it's Jesus that gets us to that love of place to love. So, wow, I'm still reeling. So I feel we can do nothing else apart from just shout outs. Oh, yeah, we'll do shout outs. Um, I also want to tell you that if you're interested in my back catalogue, they are that all these books are now available for like one p on Amazon. Because I realised I didn't have some of them, so I had to go back and, and oh, buy them. So you have them, and so if we like buy them on Amazon, do we, is it you that we buy them from? No, you're buying them from like secondhand. Please book give us some titles. Are there some cool? Well, titles? there are some great titles. Tell us. Uh, the first book I wrote was called East End to East Coast. East it's about a group of East End hard men who went on a evangelistic tour to the East Coast of America. Okay. Unbelievably, yeah. in the pre-recession uh, Christian economic climate, that pitch got a book deal. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I did that. And then I did a book called Chased by the Dragon, Caught by the Lamb, which is about a guy who's a drug dealer and then, as the title implies, uh, became a Christian. Awesome. I was a bit sniffy about that title once, mm-hmm. and I'm very sorry because after writing it, one of those... You know, I wrote a sniffy thing mm. somewhere and the guy who I wrote it with, Brian Morris, sought me out and found me and said, you oh, said hurtful things about no. my book title. Oh, in fact, here it is. His oh, they found producer the Producer Rachel's found the books. Oh. Available for 1p. On the 1p on... No, uh, 5.99 paper. Well, that's there if you want to buy it new. There we go. Don't buy it new. <laughs> uh, and Wonderful. also then, then I did uh, Convicted or Condemned with Des Brown. Oh, uh, I know Des Brown. Uh, Des Brown in the uh, East End of London. Yeah, I know Des. Uh, brilliant guy. Was yeah. involved in, in, in violent crime yeah. and met Jesus and yeah. uh, and now is a, a youth pastor. Yeah, Actually, he is. Wonderful, brilliant. Wonderful yeah. youth. We should get him on. Yes, we should get him Let's on. Let's get him on. I think I have floated the idea to him a few times. But and, we need to get uh, him on. and then I did another book with Tough Talk. I did uh, just a, a book with um, uh, Arthur White, oh. who is the kind of one of the founders of Tough Talk. And he has an unbelievable story. Now, if you are looking for a great evangelistic story to share with young people or anyone in your in your church. I'm not going to try and sell you a book here, but James Chapman. Mm. James Chapman, who is our head of visual media here at Youthscape and also just about the best Christian filmmaker mm. in the universe. Oh gosh, Did I say be. Christian? The best the filmmaker, filmmaker yes. in the universe has done a six-minute film about Arthur's life, oh, which he? will be released shortly. Oh, has he? Uh, and, uh, and completely coincidentally, completely coincidentally, oh. Um, but uh, so Arthur's another guy with an amazing story. Mm. Like I, now this is a I'm going to do a bit of gender stereotyping here. Okay. And you can correct me. That's fine. But I have found young men do often really connect with these stories. Um, yeah, and so they should, and that's really good. It's important that we recognise. And these are these yeah, are all yeah. stories of men. Yes. So I guess that makes yes, sense. Yes, because we're living in a patriarchy where toxic masculinity yeah. is a curse. And these are guys yeah. that have really been the most toxic yes, men, and then good. they've met the least toxic yes. man of all time. Yes. Um, so it makes sense that guys would be attracted yeah. to that. So um, I think the lesson from this is behind every great powerhouse brick house of a man is Martin Saunders with a little laptop writing his story. I thought you were going to say Jesus. Oh, it's, it's Jesus as well, but then it's Martin Saunders cackling. Anyway, <laughs> it would be fair to say I'm not doing any more of them. Oh, but, but I did, oh. I did in the uh, in the noughties uh, do a series. Of, I don't know why I did a weird line in. Like evangelistic hard it's man good. It's good. We need to hear them. We need to hear them. We're transformed by them. Anyway, this one's so, even better than all of them. It's it called is Taming, Taming of a, a villain. villain. So good. So monarch. So get hold of a copy and give it to a young person and give it to everyone that you know. So shout outs today go to Joe Taylor and to the city of Preston. Also to Alan Galt and Gareth Crispin. Not forgetting Chioma Fanawabe and Catherine Devani. Well, that's the, that's I, I the very only, 
efficient shout out. One of those, didn't I? I was efficient, but I didn't feel very heartfelt. No, and I'm holding them in a little black book as if it's just like a little. So I think we should do it again. You were trying to get through it as quickly as possible. Right, so here we go. Let's let's bring the love now. Joe Taylor. We love you. Oh, Joe Preston, Taylor. city of Preston. City love of you. Preston. Love you. Alan Gort. Yes, Alan. <laughs> this is getting worse. Gareth Brisbane. This now feels sarcastic. Yes, our auntie, oh, my fan. Oh, and Catherine Devani. No, we love you all. We Gareth love Brisbane. you all. Uh, right. Yes. Last thing we need to do is ask you for money. If you like <laughs> the Youthscape podcast, and we know you do, we know that this has been downloaded hundreds of thousands yeah. of times. Um, so that's nice. Thank you for that. But the other thing you could do uh, is... Um, uh, is, is give us some money so you can go to patreon.com slash youthscape and you can give us a dollar a month and that's all we want and then that will help sustain the work of youthscape in all its forms one last thing I'm going to do now I am uh, quietly addicted to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast Are you, is it a new uh, thing which I've is called Revisionist addicted. History yeah, I've been and I am late to the, to the boat mm-hmm. on this one uh, everybody else listens to it already but I love I mean I've loved Malcolm Gladwell's books for a while but Malcolm Gladwell's podcast Revisionist History absolutely level, brilliant mm. go and find that but then what I noticed is he says at the end he says would you mind giving us a five star rating on iTunes I know now you don't have to give us a five star rating on iTunes you one star you can give us any star rating you like yes but uh, actually it would be lovely if some people rated us on iTunes yes so if you like the podcast and you would be up for writing a little review for us that would help other people find the Youthscape podcast and hopefully benefit from it. So I, because Gladwell does it, after a hundred and episodes, mm. I think yeah, I'm no, going to say, please, if you love the podcast, if you moderately like the podcast, don't do it if you hate the podcast, if you yes. like the podcast, yeah. please uh, do us a review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. I'm not messing about you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll do less today. <laughs> Is that a bit? Sorry. Come on, come on. Come on. <laughs>